Hello and welcome back to Bite Positive. These are your hosts, Mari. And MD. And today we'll be talking about a topic that plagues our community a lot. Um, something that has probably touched basically anyone that you may know. Addiction, particularly addiction, of course, in the LGBTQ community, how we handle it, how we should handle it, and how society handles it in relation to us. So for the numbers, statistically speaking, um, gay and bisexual men are twice as likely to binge drink, uh, which is, I mean, uh, goes hand in hand with that whole party culture. Of course, they're also more likely to use um, illicit and recreational drugs. Um, within the LGBT com- community, bisexual people are more likely to use um, drugs, uh, to use marijuana in particular. Lesbians are actually more more likely to use marijuana than gay men, which is quite interesting. And in both um, gay and lesbian people, as well as bisexual people, LSD and cocaine use is much higher than in street populations. Yeah, um, there's uh, it's often, um, you know, also often see the, the problem of addiction within the community as uh, every mental health uh, issue in the community related with the minority stress. Um, but just also what, something that I wanted to talk about first is also to kind of define addiction <laughs> because uh, it's not, we all kind of know what it's about, but not necessarily really what it's about. First of all, there are also disorders um, that we that are in relation with addiction um, on the, in the DSM-5 and in the uh, ICD-10, which is International um, Classification of, Dis- of Disease from the... Um, Wealth uh, Health Organization. Those disorders are about substance use or, or uh, abuse dependence. It's it's uh, about a craving, having withdrawal symptoms, um, but it's also in the end about the difficulty to control. One of the crit- criteria that is in, in both the DSM-5 and the ICD-10 and also in the ICD-11 that is going to, uh, to be released. I mean, that it's in, in preparation, it's a draft for now. The, one of the criteria is the loss of control, that there's this craving, this need to um, to use, uh, and that can't be controlled. And then there's also impairment in the in the um, in the life of the person. Um, that the the some uh, activities are are taking a backseat to, and it can go to um, that stage where the using is the only thing that the person can do in their life. Um, I'm, I'm going very broadly, of course, there's like much more uh, specific criteria, but to give you a general idea. But addiction is not always uh, about substance use. It can also be a behavior uh, in the ICD-11. Um, gaming addiction um, will appear. So here um, we have another phenomenon that is that there's a loss of control. You can't, of course, you can't um, help it. But also um, the other phenomenon that is taken into account is how um, the uh, the addiction is uh, messing up the reward system of the brain, mm-hmm. where basically you can't uh, uh, you get reward from that behavior or from using the substance, but uh, it means that outside of that behavior or using that substance, you can't you 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 can't get the pleasure. You can't. It's the only thing that will satisfy you in a way, uh, and it's not just because of the substance itself. Because that mechanism of addiction, the reward system that is uh, that is messed up, uh, it will continue even after the withdrawal, even when you 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 you're rid of the of any chemical substances, and you will have the same system, the same uh, issues with um, other type of addiction. So, 
yes, gaming, gambling. There's even like, you know, discussion around sex addiction, but it's a completely different topic and we could probably talk about that for hours. Um, so that, that addiction is that. It's not just substance use. Uh, it's, it's this whole uh, mechanism around loss of control around the messed up reward system of the brain. Um, but, I mean, in the community, what we encounter a lot is, as you said, like substance use uh, and substance abuse with um, this phenomenon for the people experimenting withdrawal cravings of the substance and also having their life impaired and, and needing um, to use and, and forgetting to do other things like losing friends, getting always in touch with a form of reality in a way in the more extreme cases. Um, but uh, what is also a problem in the community and is uh, now really something that is uh, worrying a lot of people is the, um, the, uh, the camp sex. Uh, it's something that is uh, uh, mainly uh, in the um, community of men who have sex with men, uh, generally bisexual and, and gay men, um, where there's you know, this phenomenon of the protein play or just um, camp sex in general, where you have to use, you use substances um, in order to have sex, generally, you know, orgies, group sex. Um, and it's, yeah, it's about that. You meet people to use drugs and have sex and have se- sex that is supposed to be, sexual activity is supposed to be enhanced by the, uh, by the experience of using drugs as, uh, as well. And in here, it's not about morals. There's a huge issue there because, of course, addiction in itself is a, is in a very... Uh, important social issue, but also because it leads to unprotected sex uh, and uh, to the uh, to the uh, propagation of uh, of HIV, but also other type of uh, sexually transmitted um, of uh, of disease of disease. Uh, so it's it's really um, it's also very cultural. So it's not that easy to get out of that kind of practice. Uh, but it does. Uh, it does. It's. It's. The prevalence is pretty high in, in some. Uh, in some areas, there's this study, um, where you have like, you see like the use of. Uh, they in, in, interrogated men who have sex with men, and they asked them if they had used um, in the last four weeks, and not like. Uh, weed, but if they had used one of the the four chems, like the the thing that are usually used for a chem sex, which is GHB, ketamine, crystal meth, and or uh, methadone, it's it, they are pretty powerful and destructive substances. And in some city in the UK, you had um, about uh, 16, 15, 16 percent of the men who who had used those substances in last month. It's it's huge. It's huge. And in some in some countries, in some areas, it's 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 almost you know an acceptable practice, and it's also the case in the Netherlands, and and it's very harmful because of the drugs, and as I said, because of the unprotected sex, and and it's and it's complicated to to tackle, because as we already talked about, it's linked with you know internalized stigma, with minority stress, you cope with drugs. But also, it's a social, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, social practice. You do that in a group. You do that with your community, with the people who make you feel good, uh, normally. So it's very difficult to uh, untangle and to treat. What do you think should be tackled first? You know, like using these substances as a coping strategy, which is what you know a lot of things happen, and 
who hasn't drowned their sorrows in alcohol <laughs> once in a <laughs> while? Or or is it, you know, I don't want to say like cutting off the people that introduce you to these kinds of substances or like changing the community from within. Like, what's more important, focusing on the individual or focusing on the community? It's it's very complex, as it's always with addiction, because you uh, you have actually to work in different directions at the same time because all situations are different. Uh, in that, in in if you will focus on those on, on men who practice uh, chem sex, you will have people who have really addiction issues, uh, and some people you know who have who are very vulnerable to addictive behavior. And you won't um, you won't deal with the situation for them as the same way as someone who would have gotten into that because almost culturally acceptable practice in the community and they felt that they had to do that. You know, when you when you join the the community, you're finding yourself trying to accept yourself uh, as uh, as part of a sexual minority, and you might be tempted to you know do do like the other people do, uh, even though it's harmful. So it's you can't you can't um, you can't uh, handle. The, those two situations uh, in the same way uh, for people who are not necessarily vulnerable to addiction in itself it's uh, it's more yes about minority um, stress about building another identity and also about uh, finding community with other people I know that this uh, there's uh, this peer support uh, program uh, in Amsterdam for example for men who um, want to stop uh, campsites uh, and who can be uh, have can some kind of mentoring program with men who have already uh, stopped, and so that they can uh, keep that sense of community, um, this feeling of belonging outside of that specific subgroup that is going to use drugs uh, in that in that in that setting. So it's um, for those for those people, it's, it works. It can work very very well. Um, it's uh, it then the problem is more. You know, when you're susceptible to addiction, it's mean that we are more in a harm reduction type of situation and make sure that uh, if if there's really uh, a need for for the drugs and that the, the behavior can't be stopped that easily, that at least uh, at least as a sex is safe. When when it comes to substance use and most like most kinds of addiction, you know, when we think about gambling and sex addiction, all of those things, a lot of the times, most of the times, the prevalence of it in men, regardless of their sexuality, mm-hmm. is higher. At least cis men. I mean, so it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's easy to blame testosterone for impulse control issues, but I think it's more than that. You know, it's it has to be some sort of um, also societally instilled idea of the fact that. Um, you know, men don't process their emotions. Uh, they don't really, um, they aren't encouraged to do so. And so a lot of the times using alcohol or drugs to cope. It's, yeah, it, there, there's two, there's several things there. Um, mm-hmm. it, I, the thing is, yeah, it's social because a lot of, of, the, of the time, like addiction in, especially you're, you know, you're a, you're a poison of choice, your drug of choice mm-hmm. is, uh, is very cultural. So, I mean, yeah. we all drink alcohol generally in the Western world, and we, it's acceptable, where it's not necessarily better for your health than, uh, like, weed. That will be stigmatized still in a lot of countries, yeah. and depending on, of course, how you, can, you use it, etc. So, um, it's going to be uh, really, really, deep, I mean, the, 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 the cultural, the uh, social environment is super important. But there's also, like, this biological explanation, yes, lost 
like impulse control may be more be more difficult with testosterone. Um, but it's not just that. There was this study, and I don't really always explain it, but um, there was this study that they they found that if you um, you isolate a rat, um, a young rat, and you offer uh, the rats either uh, water with uh, ethanol, so basically alcohol, or just water. <laughs> The rat will uh, develop an addiction to the uh, to uh, the ethanol um, uh, water and and go for that one if the rat is alone. But if you put it in groups, um, there won't be any difference, and even they will prefer the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so the social isolation here seems to have a very you know biological effect on the brain and on the need to use even in a rat. But the, the 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 studies show that this is true for males. It's not true for females, right? Rats. Biologically yeah. so, and in society for women, we are encouraged and we are more prone to creating networks of support. Yeah. In general. So so yeah. So you say there's probably two layers here with a biological um, part that, um, if of course it's the same thing as for rats because we are we I mean. As human beings, we have this. Uh, we we have identities that are complex also, and 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 the the balance between your you know biological sex, gender, etc. It's it, it's it's we're not rats, <laughs> but um, there's this still the biology the biology of it that's there, and then you add to that the socialization where men are not necessarily encouraged to yes cope with their emotion or to talk to each other, um, and might have you know social bonds that are maybe sometimes a little bit. I mean, weaker or at least shallow, more shallow than women. Um, yeah. So that means that they will, they might also uh, create uh, another vulnerability to substance use. Uh, and then you add to that biological vulnerabilities that we know, especially for alcohol, for example. Uh, you know that there are genes, uh, markers, genetic markers that make that people are more susceptible to, susceptible to develop um, an addiction to alcohol, for example. Just, just they will be have a natural bias towards alcohol, uh, like good bias towards alcohol. We don't really explain why, but we know that. So um, that's why it's very complex and layered. But and also in our community, when you add the the stressored the stressors of being that we all encounter as being uh, gender um, minority or uh, sexual um, orientation, sexual minority, it it's a lot, you know. <laughs> It's yeah. a lot, and it's and 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 you can understand why people will will go towards uh, that um, uh, kind of practice, and also you know um, when it comes to camp sex, I mean there's other truths also is that yes it can make things better. Let's not um, let's not lie about that, but also you know especially I think for uh, for um, for men who are attracted to men, their sexuality is such you know a, a taboo or in a way. Um, seen as evil, that you internalize that too. And one way to cope with that is to um, to use drugs to be more comfortable with your sexuality. But in in the end, it, it there there are other ways that are. Uh, it takes more time, uh, and it requires also help. But it, but it's possible to you know accept oneself. Mm-hmm. And develop that identity, find that community. You just can be yourself and and own your sexuality and not need to use any substance to help you be yourself. It's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible it exists. Well, one question before we wrap up. Um, 
you know, you, you talked about how there are certain cultural standards for what is appropriate mm-hmm. and what is an addiction, right? You know, how yeah. drinking two glasses of wine in an evening is okay, but drinking three bottles of wine is, uh, maybe you have a problem. But, um, yeah. <laughs> unless you're French. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with the three bottles of wines. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking about, you know, how, um, especially, um, it isn't as much the case with uh, with women or gender non-conforming people, but with uh, men who have sex with men, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the times their behavior is seen as um, hypersexual. You know, there's this whole yeah. culture surrounding grinders, surrounding mm-hmm. bathhouses, surrounding all these things, you know. And um, it's quite common to see people, you know, go for one night stand after one night stand. And so the pro- the question is, you know, is it part of the gay culture or is it an addiction and is it a, an epidemic or a problem? <laughs> Uh, this is the question of sex addiction is really complicated. Uh, it's a very, very complex question. What is sure is that you are in a little bit of a, you know, double constraint there mm-hmm. uh, between the rock and the hard place. Because society in general tells you that your sexuality is wrong. Um, and that and especially being if you're hypersexual, it's not, not necessarily good. Um, and, and then there's a community that also will you know, embrace those differences, which is very natural, but sometimes to the point of it being toxic. So mm-hmm. it's not about sex, about pleasure, and you forget about sex, sex, and you use chemicals to enhance experience, but you don't see how harmful it can be. And and if you find a group of people and you find that, you know, you have some belonging there, so you, you're between those kind of two toxic representation. One is you know, my sexuality is wrong because I'm attracted to the same gender. And the other is I I have to own that attraction to the point of all being about sex and about using, doing, also kind of harming myself uh, to live that my sexuality to its presumed fullest potential. Uh, It's uh, it's really being in between a hard and a um, a rock and a hard place. And it's about finding what's, you know, the individual truth in that. What is, what am I comfortable with? I think also part of, you know, the fact that our community suffers a lot from substance use and sex Mm -hmm. um, addiction and all of these things Mm -hmm. is also the fact that, you know, over the the last um, couple of decades, especially, there has always been this um, idea of, you know, living fast and dying young in our community. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a, in a way, you know, there's really not that much expectation that a person will survive for a long time, and so a lot of people will just take those chances and and kind of battle the odds because, you know, who cares? I might die tomorrow anyway, and it's yeah. it's a little sad. It's very sad actually. And there's um, no no happy ending for us. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen it over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've seen it over and over in media. We've seen it over and over on the news. It's the fact that, you know, people tend to die young um, and and they tend to die from something that is is either um, violence uh, inflicted upon mm -hmm. them or it's something they inflict upon themselves. Yeah. And and also, I mean, for us, it's a lesson of a reality because we are we are women. But you have to remember that for 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 men. AIDS. So of course, when you know, also when it was it first started, people didn't understand what it was, and you know, it was like it's going to get to me anyways. Yeah. So what's the point? And yeah, it's going to get to me. I'm going to die young because of it. So I should at least, you know, enjoy have things, have fun, 
and I don't care if I'm it's harmful because I'm not going to survive anyways yeah uh, but and and today you have a lot of progress that have been made and you can you know live with with HIV so also there's the other side of oh okay I can still survive you know I don't necessarily need to protect myself because I can be okay kind of and there's this whole difficulties to sim- to simply build uh, the idea that you're worth surviving and not harming yourself when you're part of a community that's so stigmatized so it's it's a very complex and layered um topic when we are not talking about people who, who have like really vulnerabilities to addiction and will have been in that situation no matter what probably it's through through building the best community possible and and promoting a, a non-harmful identity that yeah. things can change for the best i think a lot of you know a lot of it comes down to like with aids like with addiction um, a lot of it comes down to the fact that for the past several decades, uh, until very recently, our community, any minority community really, didn't have any access to information about it. You know, no. there was no access to to drugs, um, like the, the good kind, I mean, to treat, um, to treat HIV and AIDS. There was no access to information on safe sex. There was no access mm-hmm. to, you know, how much alcohol is too much alcohol, how much heroin mm-hmm. is, is too much heroin. I mean, all heroin is too much heroin, but you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> there, is, there was never like a, a clear um, program that, that would specifically target this audience and that would specifically, you know, kind of address the issue of you don't need this to survive. You don't need this to live. There's a healthier way of living for you specifically. And because and be, yeah. yeah. And be aware of the risk that you're taking. I was I was thinking how, you know, I had to wait until we had a psychopharmacology class to realize how harmful ecstasy can be. Or cocaine. Because you know, you can see people using sometimes recreatively and they're okay. Yeah. And you think, okay, it's not that bad. But when you realize what can happen to the brain and what actually happening, and that it's sometimes not just a miracle that those people are doing well. Yeah. Um, from a medical, biological uh, point of view. So, yeah. And now, that's course, not an information that people have. Of course, drug use is very individual too. You know, effects will vary from person to person. But yeah. the truth of the matter is that, you know, there has to be education on that and not just, you know, we have to go beyond drugs, bad, alcohol, bad, sports, good. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of what yeah. we're told. And, no. you know, I, I lived for 17 years of my life believing that marijuana is like the worst thing in the world. When in reality, it's like just the tip of the iceberg and it, it can be very beneficial to some people. And oh, so, yeah. like, we need to, to give better access to the public. Uh, specifically very vulnerable uh, minorities. All right, so if anyone wants to share an experience or recovery experience or something they've spotted in the community, any kind of resources maybe online or offline within like your area that you would like to share with everyone else, please be sure to write us on our Twitter, write us an email if you'd like, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.